Welcome to Farm Chica's next podcast focused on that autumn oriental fruit that we all know as persimmons. Welcome to Farm Chica, the podcast dedicated to providing a holistic model for promoting sustainable lifestyles and ways to engage in traditional methods of homesteading. Join me, Rene Delgado Riley, a native-born New Mexican, as I share how I respect Mother Nature through easy-to-apply tips that anyone can do. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire you to tap into your ancestral roots and live a more traditional, simple life that focuses on sustainability and respect to the earth. So join me as I share 20 to 30-minute tips that anyone can do. I think persimmons are still one of those esoteric fruits that you find, and most Americans may not understand them. Um, There's definitely been a rise in them. They're late coming to the United States, and I'll talk a little bit about their history um, and why they're such a special fruit to have and a great survival fruit because they're late harvesting. And so when it's dark and gloomy and everything is dead or in hibernation mode for that winter, they're that late autumn fruit that you can still enjoy Um, even though every other fruit tree may not be bearing fruit for you. They're a great um, addition to any recipe, and I'll talk about some persimmon wine recipes that you can also add and make. So persimmons, where do they come from? They actually originate from Indochina and were found over 10,000 years ago. It was actually a really great prehistoric food crop. It's, it was also found in Japan and Korea, and you can see evidence throughout time of it being domesticated through the Qin and Han dynasties in anywhere from 2021, um, or I mean 221 BC to 220 AD. There's really large-scale cultivation um, during a lot of the, the future periods. Officially introduced to Japan in the 7th century and really cultivated from the 10th century, the persimmon is officially Japan's national fruit. There's lots of haikus dedicated to this amazing fruit and the still traditional way of making dried persimmons in the Japanese culture is to make hoshigaki, which is a really great way to preserve your persimmons without using any tools or things in the kitchen. This is all done outside and I'll walk you through a a traditional way to make this awesome Japanese way to preserve those persimmons. So historically, obviously, persimmons were used as a source of food, both dried, but it was also used for medicinal purposes. And the labor-intensive process of drying the persimmons actually intensifies that sweetness and kind of minimizes their puckering kind of sourness that they, they provide. So there's two varieties of Asian persimmons that are found today, the tomato-shaped one called Fuyu and the acorn-shaped one called Hashia persimmons. And these are definitely the Asian cultivars. Originally, persimmons were brought over by an American explorer in Japan in the late 1850s. Their seeds back after that historic expedition to Japan in the late 1850s um, and planted those all over. Um, And then also later um, in the early 20th century, Japanese immigrants brought those seeds to California where they settled and another dash of cross-pollination happened. And these are how the persimmon trees were brought over to the Americas. So it was a late addition to a lot of the other fruit trees that um, these um, were, were pretty new. Um, so the Japanese persimmon is um, those cultivars that originated even with the cross-pollination brought over by these individuals is very different from the North American cousin, which is the D. virginiana. 
And this is mostly consumed by wild enthusiasts or those lucky to have a tree growing in their backyard. Um, this actually dates back to prehistoric times in North America. So Native Americans would actually use it dried or add it to a loaf of bread. In fact, the word persimmon is an anglicized version of pessimin or puchimin, which is a few Algonquin word that still exists today, which literally translates to dried fruit. Actually, some early explorers from Europe came over and said, one of their quotes was, if it's not ripe, it will drive a man's mouth awire with much torment. And so this is referring to if you harvest that fruit a little too early, it's very astringent um, and it's much more astringent than its Asian cousins. And so definitely when you're growing a tree, you can definitely choose a North American cultivar. Uh, but um, I tend to favor the more Asian persimmons, the Fuyu and Hachia, because they definitely are a lot sweeter and less astringent. So Japanese persimmons are also produced in great numbers in California by many orchard and the fruit begins to show up on grocery shelves or in different farmers markets around Thanksgiving in America because that's usually when it's typically ready. Uh, the South American persimmon fruit production matures at different stages just because the different part of the hemisphere that they're in. Thus, the ripening period in America, we can also throughout the year, um, year round, we can have the American grown um, in groceries as well as those grown in South America. So definitely it can be a year round production uh, with that partnership. What also makes persimmons a great survival tree to add to your farm homestead or backyard is that Japanese cultivars of persimmons can be stored for up to two months for future consumption in a refrigerator or held at 30 degrees Fahrenheit. And also any Japanese persimmon um, grown from seed can get up to 40 feet tall. These are really tall trees. So most of the modern grafted cultivars you get at different nurseries rarely grow that tall. They've definitely been um, adapted to be able to be more economical with space on your property. Persimmons um, have that yellow wax-like flowers and they fill the air with a sweet, pleasant aroma when they blossom. They're late blossoming, so they're often um, protected from those late frosts that sometimes our earlier fruit-producing trees are very uh, fall victim to. For example, cherries and peaches, um, sometimes if there's that late frost and they've already blossomed, it will kill those blossoms. But persimmons are often unaffected by this because they are late blossoming. And often when they're starting to blossom, conditions in the environment are ready warm and free of those frost epidemics. What's also very interesting is the wood on a persimmon tree is one of the hardest known to man. And so it's actually highly prized and desirable for wood carving by specific Japanese artists. So those of you out there who might be interested in some type of wood carving, this is definitely a desirable wood to get your hands on. American persimmons, on the other hand, contain fewer seeds um, in their juicy pinkish orange fruit, and it often ripens in September. Um, they have a natural, juicy, sweet, fruity taste uh, when overripe, but you never want to pick it from the tree um, because it will be too astringent if picked too early. So definitely make sure um, it's plump, soft to the touch, and completely ripe, and oftentimes just let it fall on the floor. That's the best time to eat them because if you eat them too soon, you will have a terrible taste in your mouth. And also interesting, the American persimmon also grows in a forest habitat in the United States. And also, again, its wood is highly valued by uh, many mountain wood carvers for its decorative grain. 
And a little known fact um, for people out there who might be golfers is the wood is also in high demand for the manufacture of golf clubs because the durability and bounce projectability of golf balls coming in contact with the golf club wood. So very interesting uh, type of wood. Um, definitely the persimmon trees has lots of uses besides just the fruit itself. So definitely a great tree to add to your farm homestead or backyard. So growing persimmons, while well, they're pretty hardy fruit, trees because they're late blossoming. Um, definitely want to look at your plant hardiness zones where you're located, um, either for the American persimmon or for any of the Asian persimmon cultivars. So you can grow persimmons from seeds, cutting, suckers, or grafts. Um, really, it's a, a pretty versatile tree, unlike other fruit trees um, that won't grow and um, germinate from seed. So interesting fact, if you do choose an American persimmon, they require both male and female for fruit um, in order to um, make fruit. Um, they have to be able to pollinate each other. Although, on the other hand, the Asian variety is self-fruiting, so you don't need to worry about planting female and male with the Asian varietals. That's what makes them an easier tree and why you can understand why folks who own orchards tend to favor that cultivar more than the American one. And persimmon trees are not really picky about soil. Um, they are pretty um, hardy. So if you're interested in growing persimmons, just choose a sunny spot that drains well. Um, since persimmons have very deep tap roots, make sure you dig a deep, deep hole um, and definitely uh, make sure you plant um, that tree um, precisely the way that it's going to be able to get some um, well-drained soil as well as some sun and that it's super happy. And again, when it comes to persimmon tree care, there isn't much to persimmon care other than making sure it has water and sun. Um, make sure you water those younger trees until they're fully established. Thereafter, just water them whenever there hasn't been any significant rainfall, such as in periods of drought. Um, you don't really need to fertilize the tree, um, even with natural fertilizers, unless it doesn't appear to be thriving. Um, although you can prune the tree um, to like, a central leader when they're young, just like other fruit trees. Uh, very little pruning is really required with older growing persimmons. As long as they're bearing fruit, they're great trees. So now that you're thinking about it, or maybe you have a persimmon in your farm, backyard, or homestead, why not give these interesting fruits a try? And let me talk about what you can do with those awesome pieces of fruit when you get them at harvest time. So harvesting persimmons. Uh, when perfectly ripe, persimmons contain about 34% of fruit sugar. And honestly, you have to wait till they're ripe because if you do harvest, the, harvest them before they are, they're a little bit bitter and astringent, even the Asian cultivars. Um, so how do you know when they're ripe? I think we all get anxious. We're used to, we're so conditioned that when it's warm out, we get fruit. And when it's cold out, we don't get fruit. On the other hand, these persimmons ripe very late in the season. Just make sure before you plant a persimmon tree or maybe you find one, just it's always best to wait until they're really plump and soft and possibly even fallen on the ground. Um, it's good to recognize what type of tree you are planting though if you do get that choice um, because there are um, a few, I've noticed some cultivars over the years um, where they're non-astringent versions, um, but still just like with any fruit, you wanna make sure it's, it's, it's full ripening mode before you even uh, pull it off that tree. Unlike other fruit, uh, wild persimmons um, do not ripen all at the same time. And even the trees that you do um, let ripen on the tree 
Um, they won't, if you pick them too soon, um, they won't be um, good. And you can sit them on your counter and that's okay. But honestly, you just want to let the tree do all its work. And so this can be anywhere um, with the American versions um, from mid-September. And then with the Asian, um, it can even be early in September, depending on the conditions, but usually around Thanksgiving. So anywhere in October and, and, and some trees will even keep bearing up until December and January, depending on the environment. And of course, unfortunately, the birds love ripened fruit as well as deer, raccoons, etc. So definitely once your persimmons are ripe, um, make sure you get to them before the squirrels, before the raccoons, before the birds, because they will come and munch on them because they're absolutely delicious when they're fully ripe. There is a debate out there just because um, you don't want to harvest wild or astringent persimmons too early because it's it's not really tasty. But there are the non-astringent versions that um, because when they're super right and soft, if the fruit falls off the tree, it easily bruises and it messes with things. And so there is um, some folks out there that recommend um, those non-astringent version trees to harvest them and let them ripen on the counter in a cool, dark place. Um, honestly, I've never had any issues um, with persimmons, but this is just something to think about. Another tip when you are harvesting them and pulling them directly from the tree, you want to make sure you have some hand pruners or a sharp knife because uh, there's a bit of that stem you want to make sure you leave attached because if you take too much, it just kind of um, the aesthetics of your root, especially if you're going to make hojigaki, which you're going to be tying those and hanging them. You definitely need a little bit of that stem. Again, um, you can um, use them immediately if they're fully ripe or if they're the non-astringent version, you can let them ripe at, an, at room temperature in a cool, dark place on the counter. Um, you can also store in the refrigerator for up to a month or two, and you can freeze for up to eight months. Okay, now that you've harvested those awesome persimmons, what are you going to do with them? Well, there's lots of great things I like to do. Obviously, Google will be your best friend. There are so many recipes out there and so many people have delicious things, but I'm going to walk you through um, kind of the recipe for the traditional hozegaki. I'm going to talk about my persimmon wine I have going, and then I'm going to give you some ideas on how to use them um, in other recipes. So for centuries, the Japanese have been making dried persimmons called hojigaki using a traditional method. Um, and obviously they become chewy, mildly sweet fruit, and they're enjoyed as a tea sweet. Um, so they can be consumed with green tea. And at their most basic, um, you take um, persimmons, you peel them, and you hang them until they shrivel and a natural sugar coating forms on their surface. But of course, there's more to it than that. So you want to pick the right persimmon and make sure that there's no major issues with them and they're, they look great, they're, they're ripe, and that they don't have any bugs in them. For hojigaki, you will need to use um, hashia persimmons. Um, you can use fuyu as well, um, but hashia is just the way that they're shaped like that acorn. They just hang a little bit better. They're longer and pointed. Um, and so it's just, it's a little bit easier. Not saying you can't use some of the other um, cultivars. Again, when you harvest them, you want to make sure you have at least an inch of that stem attached because that's what you're going to use to hang them. So go ahead and peel the persimmons and trim away everything except um, getting as close to the top of the stem, but obviously leaving that there. You want to hang the persimmons so you tie 
twine around the stems of the persimmons and hang them in a place um, with good airflow, humidity, garage basement. Um, and it's possible to get um, some of that fruit exposed to the sun. It just helps with the drying process. For the first week of hanging the persimmons, do not touch them. Um, the slippery surface can become tacky and it just messes with things. Um, when, um, you do get to the point, um, of it being past a week, you definitely want to like move and rotate them and massage the persimmons. This helps the tannins and the fruit break down to help the flesh become soft and pliable. And just be careful. Um, the flesh is at its softest and it may burst through the skin and that's what you don't want. You don't want to develop mold. Anywhere from a month to six weeks, um, your fruit should wither down and a powdery white bloom will form on the surface. And this is the natural sugar forming on the outside of the fruit. And it's an indication that the whole shigaki is ready. If the sugar doesn't bloom in six weeks, it's um, but the fruit is still dark and firm, your environment just may not be humid enough. Obviously, these are traditionally done in Japan, which has a lot more rainfall than certain parts of the world. So definitely make sure that you have some humidity around. You can also take this after it's been um, hanging up for a while and put them in an airtight computer, like a, a container, like a large mason jar, zip top bag, and then you should get that sugar bloom. And then you can uh, take these down, slice them, snack on them, put them into different salads and desserts. It's just the traditional way of drying in persimmons. So now that I walked you through the traditional way of drying them, let's talk about other ways to use those awesome persimmons. And my favorite thing to do with most fruit is make alcohol. Not because I'm a huge consumer of alcohol, but I just love preserving and I love the effect of making my own alcohol just because it's really fun to do. I've done a lot of ciders and wines and you can also do a persimmon wine. And so what I have going on right now is a small batch of persimmon wine because these are late harvesting fruit. You can definitely start a batch late in the year and this is a great way to end your year. Um, it's just a fun thing to do. And I'm not going to give you a recommendation for a large batch. I've only started a small batch and I think it's best in just small batches. And so this is for a one gallon recipe, which you'll need four pounds of persimmons. Um, you'll need 40 ounces of sugar. I know that sounds like a lot, but you definitely, um, that's the source uh, for the yeast to eat. And then once the yeast eats that sugar, it poops out ethanol, which makes the lovely thing that we all prize as alcohol. You'll need four teaspoons of acid blend, a teaspoon of pectin enzyme, two teaspoons of yeast nutrient, and a package of yeast or equivalent for a one-gallon batch. And I prefer that champagne yeast. It's just a really great yeast. I suggest um, starting in a fermentation bucket. You don't need a very big bucket. I just usually go to my own home brew store and I get all this stuff and it's not really that much of an investment. It's actually pretty cheap if you're doing small batch. Um, where you start to see the price tag is when you start doing five gallons because those carboys can be a lot. But you just want to take that um, initial fermentation bucket, slice the persimmons, place them in that bucket, top them with sugar, and allow that sugar to extract from the persimmon juice. This is a very different way of making wine that I've never been accustomed to. So it was a little weird for me to pour that 40 ounces of sugar on that chopped um, persimmon pieces uh, for 8 to 12 hours. I actually let it set about a good 24 hours. Um, and then what I did is um, I started to push on it and muddle it a bit just to extract um, some bits of the juice. And what I did is because it's colder and it's been really, really cold here in Oregon, 
it wasn't warm enough. Um, and so I, what I ended up doing is I kept um, the persimmons and the sugar in a brew bag inside the fermentation bucket. And what I did is I ended up pouring the water a little bit more into the juice, just a little bit to give it more flavor. And then I started adding adding in the acid blend, the yeast nutrient, and um, pectic enzyme. And also I should mention, when you add the sugar, you want to add a Camden tablet because you um, want to make sure you killed that wild yeast. So I definitely did that before I muddled anything and added water. And then you basically want to pitch the yeast um, and let it do its work. I closed it up and put an airlock on it. An airlock is important, so it keeps out all the bad stuff, but it still allows your stuff to breathe in a safe environment. Um, so I kind of just let it do that for a couple of weeks. Um, I think it was about two weeks. And then I took that off. And at this point, I was really surprised that all the sugar and persimmon had broken down in two weeks. So what I was able to do is take that brew bag and really just like like a sieve, just squeeze it out, all the juice into that fermentation bucket. And I will mention, um, make sure you take your hydrometer meeting at the initial um, phase so you can see how your, your alcohol is playing out. Again, the hydrometer measures initial gravity, and then eventually you want to move that gravity to zero or below, and that just shows you the change, and, and that kind of gives you an idea for um, alcohol by volume. So once I got it all strained out, I had this lovely, beautiful, golden-looking liquid, and what I did is I took that and filtered that into an actual one-gallon jug and put the airlock there. Um, just let it do its thing. And it was there for a month. And then what I did is I racked it off, which, um, you know, any wine you're making or any homemade cider, you're going to get some must at the bottom. It's not necessarily bad. It's just, I'm all about clarity in my wines. So I pull all that liquid off and kind of rinse that jug out with that, that stuff. And then I pour it back in. And every time I do a rack, I just take another hydrometer reading. My last hydrometer reading showed me that it's pretty close to being done. Um, and it's measuring about 9% alcohol per volume, which I'm excited about. It's a little bit higher than I thought it would be. And it already tastes amazing. Um, this is an early drinking wine. It's not one you need to age. So I'm excited that once it's at bottle stage, which will probably be the next stage, I'll just be able to drink it all up. Also, another cool thing, um, you don't actually have to use a full wine bottle. You can use those Grolash bottles, the ones with the, the cider bottles, beer bottles. Um, you can leave it in those um, bottles um, for a couple of months just to kind of give it some more uh, dynamic flavor. It's going to still kind of go. So those bottles are nice because it'll be a little bit sparkling at that point. And so I think that's a cool kind of play on this wine. And I'm really excited to try it. And again, there's lots of recipes online. And even at the brew shop, when I went in, I was asking them if they've ever made persimmon wine. And the guy behind the counter pulled out a book, found a recipe and let me take a snapshot. So there are lots of recipes out there. Um, this one was actually pretty easy. It's probably one of the easiest wines I've made, way easier than peach and way, way easier than elderberry. So besides venturing into doing this um, traditional way of drying your persimmons or making wine with it, some easy things to do are just to slice those persimmons and use the flesh to make a pulp. And usually that pulp can be added easily to bread. Um, it can be made um, into a pudding, which I've actually made before. And my favorite persimmon muffins come out really great. These are a great healthy snack too. Um, adding brown sugar and a little bit of cinnamon and ginger just gives a nice flavor to those persimmons. So these are a little bit easier to do. 
Um, I've seen recipes out there for persimmon crumble pie, which is almost like a cobbler, but with using persimmons. Um, you can take persimmons, chop them down, add a little bit of sugar, and you can make a jam with it and preserve it, or you can eat it as applesauce. You can slice them and put them in salads. You can um, They pair really well and cook really well with apples. Um, so I've even seen persimmon apple cobblers out there. So that sounds like a really great recipe. There are lots of things to do with them. They're a really great um, fruit. I think a lot of people look at it and they envision a tomato and they see it as savory. But once it's fully ripe, again, 34% of fruit sugar. That's a pretty fruity tasting uh, fruit out there. So um, I I hope that you will find a recipe that you or your family enjoys. And again, Google's your best friend. You can find a lot out there. Thank you for listening to Farm Chica. I hope you learned a thing or two about persimmons. And I hope that you'll begin utilizing these on your farm, homestead, or backyard. And thank you for listening.